Are you ready to challenge the rhetoric? Today is Wednesday, July 27th. My name is Sherry Roberts, and I'm your host. to Challenging the Rhetoric. My name is Sherry Roberts. Why are so many Americans so pissed off? I mean, you can't turn on the Internet. You can't turn on the television. You can't turn on the radio. I mean, Internet, radio, satellite, radio, it doesn't matter. You can't find a place where people aren't pissed off. I mean, even if you're listening to non-secular stations, you're still getting ranted at. The world's kind of a mess. Um, Is all this anger warranted? And what do all these causes that people are yelling so loudly about, what do they all have in common? What touches the lives of every single citizen, everybody listening right now or to the archives, everybody that uh, you'll you'll talk to about the show, what what is it that touches each one of us? All this crap that's going on in this country, it's not just about land rights or civil rights or children's rights or women's rights, animal rights, gun rights, or any other kind of rights. It really isn't a a rights kind of thing at all. It's more than that. And, um, you know, the truth is is that we're better than that. We're better than this. We're better than all these things that that we see out there that have become the face of this country. And that face that's so prolific, is, is that really who we are? I know that I, myself, am a part of the population of pissed off people. And I challenge that every one of you are as well. Although the things that we might each individually be pissed off about, they might be different, all that frustrated feelings and the anger and all of that, all of that itself, those are still mutually shared emotions and feelings because we have mutually shared needs. We even have mutually, you know, shared wants and stuff, but when it comes to those things, those basic needs in life, we all share those things. Most of us would stop and we would help someone, each other, okay? Uh, even people that hate on me, if we didn't know each other and, um, you know, if I or they were laying broken and bleeding somewhere, there would be no questions asked. Nobody would be looking for a reward usually. I mean, you're going to jump in and you're going to be a human being. Um, but when we can't see where another person hurts and we refuse to care why they are hurting, or we negate their pain because we think our own pain is worse than theirs. I don't know that there is a worse because it's about how each one of us as, a, as an individual internalizes whatever that pain is that, that, that we're feeling, whatever that angst is. And it's not up to somebody else to tell me or you how to feel about something. But I do believe that it's up to each one of us to try to understand how the other does, in fact, feel versus assume, you know, because you know what assumptions are and what what assuming is. Um, Because, see, here's where we make this big epic fail, you know, as the stewards of our own humanity. All these generations before us, we're, we're, we're just like that in the sense that we're the byproduct of our times. But all the modern technology, like we talked about on the last show, um, all the modern technology has completely changed the game. And the influence that it has is is kind of quiet and covert still even. And it's this, this, this weapon that we've wielded upon ourselves and then each other. 
and we're each suffering these injuries that have been covered in millions of tiny Band-Aids. And for some people, those Band-Aids come only after some salt's been rubbed into the wounds. The important question that we're going to be kind of asking and hopefully starting, you know, the a process of answering tonight is when do minority or fringe, because it's always a minority or fringe in someone's opinion, when does a, a minority or fringe issue matter? Because I assure you, all of you, you yourself, regardless of race, religion, political ideologies, whatever, okay, every single one of you, is a minority in something that matters to you. Don't have to matter to me. Doesn't have to matter to the guest on the show tonight. Doesn't have to matter to your family members or your friends. It matters to you. And in that, in at least something, you are in fact a minority. There's no doubt about that. So when does that minority thing that matters so much to you, when does that matter to everybody else, at least your fellow citizens in this country? So... If what matters to you doesn't matter to me, or vice versa, then it really isn't the government who's to blame. It isn't. It's us. It's us that's to blame. Again, every single one of us. On the last show, I had uh, KSU on as my guest, and he's a prolific YouTube broadcaster. Months ago, it was kind of a funny story, months ago when I was under extreme attack, I had no idea that he was also, and it was kind of from the same group of people and then also other, you know, other people as well. And um, online, Internet users, they weren't knocking on our doors or anything. But we didn't know one another. You know, I'd seen a video here or there or whatever, but I, I didn't know this dude. But many of these attacks that we were getting, each of us was getting, were somehow about one another. And it was like we kept getting, you know, kind of thrown in this mix of somehow we were in cahoots. And um, so it's it's been kind of, you know, really interesting, you know. So go figure, because he was on the show last time, and he's going to be the guest tonight. And he really is somebody that's rapidly becoming a good friend of mine. And that leads me to why he's here again tonight. But before I bring him on the show and get this party started. You know, i got to go through everything and tell you all the little housekeeping stuff so you can participate with us. During each live broadcast, you can interact on the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash challengingtherhetoric.news, and you can find me on Twitter at CTR News Feed. For tonight's show, we're using hashtag CTR, Common Ground, Tech, and Social Media. All the stories I cover are available on the website at challengingtherhetoric.news. And there's lots of other good stuff there. So poke around, click around. Um, truly, there's, I, I've put a lot of work into that site, and there's a lot of information there on various things. Um, so you can chat with us tonight in the chat room if you'd like to. Uh, just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash challenging the rhetoric with Sherry Roberts. My name is spelled C-H-E-R-I. Click on show number 36. The chat room is going to appear right beneath that slider, and if you're already on the page and you don't see a chat room, go ahead and hit refresh and then scroll back down. It should be there. Uh, the comment section on the main page is not something I'm going to see for interaction as far as if you're trying to get attention of somebody here tonight. So don't use that tonight because it's going to be ignored. Uh, do remember that this is a dialogue. This is not a debate. There's not going to be any personal attacks or anything like that allowed in the chat room. Uh, there is no calls tonight. 
So um, if you are calling in uh, to talk to, to me or the guest, uh, go ahead and hang up. If you're calling in just to listen by your device, that's cool. If you are not listening to a live show and it's an archive, obviously you cannot join us in that chat room. Remember, no trolling, no attacks, no big aggression you know, going on in there because I will just boot you out. Sue Shugarts is the chat room moderator. If you do have a specific question for myself or my guest, Chaos View, then you can pose it there. Please be respectful. So let's get on to the good stuff. So recently, Chaos and I, we were having a pretty serious discussion. And um, it was kind of about these things that we're going to be talking about tonight, and there's no way that we can recreate the conversation that we had. But I'm hoping that the feeling and the thoughts behind it is something that is, is going to come across to everybody for whatever reason that you're listening tonight. Because I think that we can have a meaningful conversation, and I think it's a very, very important topic. So, um, you know, him and I, in this conversation, there were a few things that we didn't agree on, and we didn't jump to an attack. We actually listened to one another, and some things we still didn't agree on, and that was fine. It was about the means in which we had the conversation. And not just the means, but the how of it in the sense of, the the way we spoke with certain words that were used versus words that are not meant for dialogue. They're not meant to to for interaction. And that's something that we're missing very, very much in this world. So, you know, it takes all kinds. And by the end of the conversation, he and I, we were able to, you know, have different perspectives, if nothing more, of one another as human beings. And I think that that really is the point of tonight's show. I think that that's an important message for all. We need a lot more of that in this world. So without any further ado, I want to just go ahead and bring Chaos on. And uh, it's going to be fun to have him on again. Hey, Chaos, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> so not to put you on the spot or anything, but, you know, when we when we were talking the other night, it was it, it was truly kind of a, an interesting um kind of progression to the conversation and it kind of got deeper and deeper and 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 so when we were talking about we started initially we were talking about Oregon standoff stuff so I mean that's probably a good place to start tonight we were talking about the fact now I'm well on the record and from the very beginning that I have said I do understand that there are real very real land issues involved in many cases out there, there are many ranchers, farmers, um, you know, other other people that depend on land for their livelihood and have been for a long time that the government has in fact infringed on. And I've never said that the government has never infringed on the Bundys. However, the tale that's been told is kind of like you know when you're a child that telephone game where you whisper in one person's ear and they whisper in another, and each time it changes a little bit, and by the time it gets to the end user, it's something totally different, which is where I think a lot of the problems are. But with regards to land stuff, you know, when we were talking last night, you know, you had some opinions on that. So, you know, go ahead, speak. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I remember, um, and I've always believed it, no matter what anyone thought about um, what actually, you know, took place and how it went down, it didn't really negate that, you know, there were real issues at stake. There always have been. Now, have those issues been conveyed in a, you know, in a correct manner, you know, that's severely, you know, you can really debate that. Um, but, you know, under, underneath, you know, I, I guess you could say it's a rock, 
the rock up, there is an issue there. There are land issues there. Um, um, you know, like, I mean, it's happening across the country as far as like eminent domain. Was this a case of eminent domain? Um, not really. It was more of, uh, you know, just federal oversight or management of land, but um, still have rights. So, you know, that, that's my, that's been my um, uh, opinion throughout is that there are issues. And so we, we, so no matter what you think of these people and how they, you know, decided to go about, you know, thinking they're defending their rights or defending the rights of others or, you know, standing up for, you know, against uh, what they call like, you know, a government that's overreaching, still have, you know, those issues. We have to define clearly what the issues are, though. Right. And and, and I don't think that, that – People are always people are simply not going to agree, and that's again part of this conversation because exactly what you said right now about land rights could also be said for Black Lives Matter, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, there's very real issues there, and part part of the problem is the same like with what happened in Oregon and Bundy Ranch was the means of which they decided to project and show themselves. Um, that happens in all movements. And it doesn't, you know, whether it's about land or civil rights, uh, race, race is a huge issue in this country. The people that deny that race is, is an issue in this country are quite often the people that are perpetuating the problem, why they point a finger elsewhere. But their issue, the issue of race in this country is as important, at least as important as land rights for those that live off of the land. Um, I mean, did you want to talk on that? Well, yeah, race is a, a very serious, very serious issue, and it should never be scoffed at, you know, by those to say, you know, well, we don't want to, we don't want to hear Black Lives Matter because, you know, you know, there's people who say they're they're radical or they're promoting hate. They they only want, you know, their concerns, you know, like like when there was pushback against that group when people were saying all lives matter or whatever, and then there was the reaction, you had a lot of flames and tempers flaring there. Um, but it shouldn't take away from the fact that there, there is systematic racism still in society. I mean, it's, it's rampant. I mean, you can, um, if you just look at the, the actual deaths, um, that have occurred recently with, um, uh, what was it in Minnesota then had Baton Rouge, um, those were really avoidable. And you could, you could say, you can debate and say, well, was that racism or what, what was one, uh, one of the men, you know, resisting arrest or whatever. Um, but would that have happened if, you know, those two men were white or would that have happened if they were any other race or would that have happened if the actual police officers, you know, were a different race. So, I think it all really boils down to is people talking to one another because I haven't really seen anyone realistically actually talk to members of black lives matter in a really like forum that was, you know, that actually could foster something like a real conversation instead of just people yelling at each other or people, um, you know, like uh, kind of like just screaming, you know, just, screaming Black Lives Matter, or people are, you know, doing a counter-protest. So, yeah, I mean, it can't, we, we can't as a whole just totally negate things because it, 
things are real if you bother to actually look into it. Every 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 issue people scream about, there there is something wrong there. It's just that people aren't relating. Well, let me um, let me let me let me. I want to interject there uh, two things because um, I think that that what you're saying needs to be clarified a little bit more. At least how I how I'm looking at something is that when when there's real problems that are happening, groups of people. This is kind of on my show notes for later, but I'm going to address it now because it's going to help answer a question in the chat room. When there are groups of people that decide to make that their cause and go be the, the loud, mouthy ones or the, the ones that are the, the face or the front of it, that's when real issues have become hijacked. And those real issues that happen across the country in any segment do not even have to be their real issues. But if they can make it their agenda for their own agenda, they're going to take that. And I've been very clear that that is what I believe has taken place uh, with the Bundy issue. There are land rights issues in this country. As far as the Bundys go, as I've said, show after show after show, and maybe something I said was kind of misunderstood, I believe that it has the the issue of land rights as a whole in the United States that is a hot topic issue and has been an issue before, you know, the Oregon standoff for some people. It is been molested so much and turned into this other thing and you create these poster people for it. And the the real issues don't again, they don't have to be theirs. So when I'm talking about very real issues, I'm talking about in the country. Unfortunately the Bundys and the situations that have happened have become the face of that, and then that's what people recognize when you're talking about it. And, you know, that's a that's a maneuver on the part of, of them and the people that I believe they're involved with it, like House and Koch brothers and stuff like that. But it's, it's about hijacking a, uh, an issue and then creating your own cause around it. I've seen that happen, you know, in the in the – the two decades of which I was, you know, running around, uh, you know, bullhorning and signs and going to Congress and, you know, doing all those activist things that I was doing, but crossing over into the more extreme behaviors, not, not like you know, I wasn't toting guns and, you know, <laughs> talking about or dealing with explosives and stuff. But, you know, um, but I think that, I think that you might feel differently than me, um, and I think I might have inadvertently agreed with you, what you said, so I want you to clarify something back with the Bundys, please. Um, what do you think, as far as them and their issue, what do you think is real about it? Because I, I for the most part, think it's been quite orchestrated by, again, and I could still be wrong, but I believe the cows and, and Koch brothers and, um, you know, bigger agendas kind of puppeteering. You going back to Bundy Ranch or, or the actual yes. standoff? Yes, uh, or, or Oregon standoff. I mean, we're, we're talking – well, it doesn't matter Oregon standoff per se. It's about the Bundys and what they say is their issue with the land. Um, I mean, are you saying that you agree that they have specifically been harmed? Well, at Bundy Ranch, if you look at the records, it, it's, it becomes unclear um, to me that, like, to be able to support the argument that they had that land for um, – um, rights to that land for what was it hundreds of years or whatever because when you go back it it doesn't really support that however if you just if you like in the context of the actual like bunny ranch and that you know where they actually had a standoff um i could 
I could support the idea that um, since they were on that land and for, for many years and they didn't have to do those grazing fees and they, and they came in, what was it in the nineties, I believe they, 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 they were being asked to, right. Or was that a little bit earlier? Can't quite remember, but anyways, um, I can understand to a point to where it felt like it was an overreach just because the, you know, the cattle were being rounded up and everything there. Now, as far as the Oregon standoff for, you know, for them to go to another state and to try to support the Hammonds, um, I think it was really on the Hammonds. Now, as far as the Bundys coming in, trying to help, I don't really support, I didn't really support that. But as far as the, the Hammonds, um, I mean, they didn't, they didn't even want to fight back themselves, right? They wanted to turn themselves in. And they were actually, seemed like, a little bit embarrassed that they were getting the attention and the support from the Bundys. And if you look back at their history, um, it goes back into at least the nineties, maybe even farther where um, it seemed like they weren't the, quite as innocent as they were being betrayed. So, I mean, that's just from, from what I've looked into it. It didn't seem like that, I mean, at one point you could say, well, yeah, the land rights, you know, they, they have some kind of argument just because they are, they are on the land and they, they, you know, they have certain rights. However, when you go back and you look into it, it wasn't that simple in either, in either instance, in my opinion. Okay. Well, for instance, with the grazing fees that you're talking about, you know, Cliven's father signed a contract with BLM. In 1954, J.J. McNabb's in the chat room, and that's something that she's uh, put in there uh, just as kind of a, a, you know, to, you know, to interject into here with, with something factual on what we're actually speaking on. And you and I, this is one of the things with regards to kind of the root of the Bundys themselves and their issues is one of the things that you and I differ on. But I do know that you also are supportive of the idea of, you know, the Koch brothers' involvement with funding and stuff like that. But when it comes to grazing rights, you know, Cliven's father signed a contract. Okay. So it's not, it was, this wasn't no surprise. This wasn't, you know, people, people break laws. People are upset. That's because what I want to do is I don't want to focus on the particulars of the cases because the show tonight is about <laughs> uh, getting to the root of why people feel the way they do, why each person is so angry. And so to further on the, the issue of the Bundys, let's trickle down a little bit to the porters. Because, like, the fact that J.J. McNabb is pointing out in the chat room um, about the contract that Cliven's father signed in 1954, many of the supporters are completely unaware of that. And it's not like that fact's a secret. There's, there's many, many facts that are out there, but they're not supportive of it because you have the Bundy hierarchy saying that, and they have touched upon this nerve in a specific group of people, just like any cause has a specific group, okay, that has been able to feed into that angst that they're feeling in our world right now. And as when I opened the show, you know, I was very serious about each one of us has something that we're upset about, that we don't like, that has somehow touched us in our world. So for the Bundys, 
just for the mere fact that they're, you know, this ranch family, blah, 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 all right, when there's agendas and stuff going on behind the scenes and they start capturing upon populations of people that have those real problems, the very real problems that I'm talking about with different land issues in in this country. So we have that situation with Black Lives Matter. We have that situation with, um, you know, different, you know, with anti-war activists. We've had that situation with, um, I mean, there is no organization, whether it's PETA or it's, you know, people that are anti-abortion or people that are pro-abortion or whether it's about a particular ballot measure or a candidate, the vileness, that emotion keeps coming out. And year after year after year, it's getting worse. And, and you know, as I say all the time about technology being this huge driver of, you know, I forget who it was, but during the Oregon standoff, it might have been Governor Kate Brown here in Oregon. I'm not positive, but somebody had called it a virus. Or maybe it was Obama who said that it was a virus happening. And the virus is beyond that. That's the thing. These are flashpoints, okay? The virus is bigger and beyond that. The virus is what we are fueling within ourselves, and a lot of it has to do with this technology. You know, you and I, our conversation had started about, you know, when we were talking the other day about back in the day when the 24-hour news cycle started and how it's built from there. And, you know, when 9-11, by the time we had 9-11, we had that live streaming video and all of that, we didn't have Facebook uh, or even MySpace then or YouTube, as you know, like we talked about on the last show. And so we did have the Internet. We had forums and stuff like that. But in that short span of time, with all of those things that had happened and the way that technology has done this, it has given everybody a, a platform for their angst. And the way that confirmation bias works, we surround ourselves by other people with the same angst as we do or or similar angst that we can, at least for short periods of time, commiserate with and and feel like we're changing the world with. But we're not because what we're doing, all of the groups, don't matter what the cause, what is happening is it's, it's creating more part of this problem. So I do want to kind of get back on the topic of that, you know, about the the emotion behind all all the angst. There's very real things that are going on in this world. There are there are very real things that upset people about the government. You have some people that don't care about NSA spying. You have some people that care a lot. And then there's a few in the middle that they, they don't you probably are still not even aware. Just like in Oregon people still don't know Oregon standoff happened. But it's you know, so how how do people what what can you talk on with regards to people being able to kind of weed through that angst in their day-to-day and all this time that they're spending online? Well, being online is part, is part of the problem because it is basically destroyed any sense of community, I believe, in the real world. And so people um, don't actually really talk to one another, and they don't realize – when, so if they were to talk to um, someone with you know, opposing views or views that they're not even you know, aware of, you know, like, like you're saying, like people care about certain things, if they actually speak to these people, they would find out that a lot of the things that um, they care about actually intertwine in many ways. A lot of people are suffering 
And when you have social media and then you have self smartphones and people are always looking down, um, they're not really making any kind of connections in real life. Everything is um, online. Um, people discount or they don't have the time to really care about what other people feel um, or to even understand certain issues. They only want to go in with it, what they already know, what they already care about, what maybe they caught on TV for a second um, or what their friends on Facebook may have, uh, you know, posted about and they glimpsed at it. And so they, they run with that and say, well, I, I agree with some of that, but they don't actually have like a real discussion or they don't go to the other side or they don't research, don't have time to research um, or they don't make time. Um, it's basically kind of like people just need to slow down and build the communities that once existed before all the social media um, went rampant, you know, probably in what the mid two thousands, because the world was, was a lot different, like in the nineties and even, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands, people um, weren't so quick to dismiss and, you know, ideas, uh, opinions of others. And um, people weren't so quick to even try, you know, not, not to try to even understand other, other people's issues, problems. So. So I, I, I agree because I think, um, you know, and, and I, I hate to keep using her as an example, but it's, it's a perfect example on, on the current topic of the whole Bundy thing, and that's Sarah Redbuck. Um, with her because of her family's past and what she went through, it, there's no excuse for, you know, bad behaviors and stuff like that. But one of the things that I was trying to accomplish early on in trying to write about what was happening here in Oregon was to, you know, show that each of these people are human beings and not just some statistics about, you know, who, you know where their age and, you know, the bad things that they've done, but because there's a motivation behind each one of these people that is not necessarily the same as the other. Um, the, you know, with Sarah, um, well, first of all, I kind of feel that she's more of, you know, a hanger-on and kind of glommed on to this whole thing, mostly because of her past. And, and if you were somebody who was young and your family had legitimately um, been you know, infiltrated by a, a confidential informant and then, you know, go through all the court stuff and, and all that. Now, I'm not excusing because the way she presents it all is as, as if her family was innocent. I, I, don't, I think there's plenty of, of evidence out there that her family was not innocent. But the fact that she had gone through some pretty real things, that she's going to be very sensitive, um, for lack of a better word, to certain things. So like when the Oregon standoff thing happened after LaFoy Finnegan was killed um, and the Mark McConnell video had come out and all the immediate accusations, Sarah Redbuck was, if not the first, one of the first that started publicly pointing fingers and calling McConnell a Fed. And um, she ha has heightened sensitivities, you know. Now, you know, as I know, I mean, for decades I've had people randomly decide that I'm a fed. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's part yeah. of this weird mentality out there. And, um, I mean, I think even at one time early on before you and I started talking, you thought there was something not quite right with me about feds because I had made a comment that I have worked with feds before on my, <laughs> yes. on my shows. 
you know, and so these perceptions of super paranoia that that is just across the board with, you know, these kinds of groups and stuff, and I, and I do believe that it's the Internet that's fueling it because especially now with all the algorithms where the more, like for me, my news feed is full of a lot of crap that I could care not to see mostly because a lot of people who are interacting with me because of the Oregon standoff story. <laughs> so it's all of their stuff that's showing up in my newsfeed because they're they're engaging with me more, and that's part of how these algorithms work. So Facebook thinks I want more and more of that stuff. But um, so pretty soon that's all you get to see. Okay, and it's no different with television news because you choose which one you want to watch, or you know internet stuff or podcasts like mine. Or you know, or anything. I mean, blogs, same thing. I mean, alternative media. I've said it many times in the past. Alternative doesn't mean better. Independent doesn't mean no agenda. Um, however, the fragmentation. You know, I'm all for people being able to have opportunities and stuff. But when we say that we want to do something um, to be better than corporate media, that's the big thing, right? Well, do you think that segregating your topics into a tight little niche when it comes to current events events and news is, um, you know, helpful? I don't think so because you never see anything outside that box. You can't see outside the box if you're still in the box looking at the same walls, right? Yeah, it's tunnel so, vision, right? Yeah, exactly. Looking through that, you know, that, that toilet paper tube. Um, all the confirmation bias is is very real. And so that leads me to something, and it is time for Liar of the Week. And this week, um, it's a little different. So this week's flyer of the week is not an individual. It's all individuals because we all think that we don't have confirmation bias, and we, we sure as hell do, um, from the foods we like to the media we consume to um, the places that we frequent to the, the quality or uh, of, of things that we buy, like clothing or it's, you know, I mean, we all – we all have confirmation biases on everything, everything. And that kind of is something that is, it begins in our, our infancy and our childhood. You know, we're raised with that. I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't, like, sometimes kind of yearn for something that, you know, was like this, a particular home-cooked meal from childhood or something like that. Those, we, we all have biases to certain things. And I see all this, all this, rhetoric being passed around constantly from every direction, every side, and it's like everybody's like feels like somehow they're better than everybody else. They're not touched by confirmation bias. They're 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 in the know, they're the know all and, and even and what's here's the funny thing, chaos is people will sit there and honestly, openly tell you they don't know, they don't care, they just like somebody or whatever. Okay. You know, so uh, shame on everybody. That's the liar of the week this week. Shame on everybody because if you think you don't have confirmation bias on whether it's, uh, you know, the, the land rights issue or Black Lives Matter or PETA or, you know, childhood sexual abuse like my other show or, 
whatever, you know, GMO labeling, I'm very anti-pharma, you know, it doesn't mean that you don't take your medicine. I mean, we all have our confirmation biases. So I challenge all the listeners to take a breath next time before you throw out your opinion or take a breath next time before you throw out, even if it's facts, because sometimes it's just about how you present it because it's still presented with a bias. And we need to be able to step back from that. We'll never be able to step away, but we need to be able to step back from that because so long as that's all we're doing, again, we're just putting up walls, building more walls all around, walls and trenches. And uh, I can hear Twitter now. I said trenches. Oh, no. <laughs> um, the listeners, when they do hear this in archives and stuff, they're going to say something about me saying trenches. <laughs> okay. So, anyways, um, the thing is, is that, you know, that's the truth. We all have confirmation bias, and we all have it on very serious issues in this world, and we need to be able to understand. It goes back to what I said in the opening of the show. If we cannot give other people the time of day to at the very we don't have to agree with them. We don't have to believe what they're saying. That is not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we need to understand why they're that way, why they're. We have a psychological, the mental health problem in this country across the board, I've said it time and again, I doubt there are a few people in the United States that do not have some form of PTSD from what happened on 9-11 and the way that we experienced it all across this country. And, and I would challenge people outside the country. So all of that's really important. We have to start um, challenging our own self. You know, I challenge my own rhetoric all the time. Uh, I'm open to people having civil dialogue with me when they want to challenge my rhetoric too. I'm not perfect. I don't always have it right. But the and 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 I and I do have my own biases as well, and that I you know I will go here, but I have expanded and expanded and expanded my world, and I challenge all of you to do that too, because if not, you'll remain the liar of the week. Okay, Cass, so I, I want you to um, maybe tell the listeners kind of a story about any experiences you've had where you've been able to, you know, kind of find common ground because that's that's what we need to we need to get back to. I mean, we have all the, the common ground of being human beings, and where do we find the common ground in humanity? Where are you finding it? Well. Or how. Uh, or how. Well. Um, when I remember, when I remember going, I was in, uh, going to school still, and um, I remember moving a lot, and so I was going into a lot of different communities, and I remember myself being uh, a minority moving into a community um, where actually was at a school where um, I was definitely the minority. It was basically, you could say. Um, most, a mostly black school. And I had actually come from many schools before that where it was uh, pretty, I guess, proportional to, I guess, um, I guess society as a whole. So it was, a, it was a, a lot different. And that actually was the start of me um, reaching out and trying to understand because I was placed in a position to where 
Um, I definitely needed to. That was like a trial by fire for me. So that's why I'm starting at that because it got me to actually sit down and understand a lot of different people. Now, um, from that, I understood um, by, by discussing certain things and just socializing with people, with a lot of people. Um, like, um, like, say, when we talked about Black Lives Matter, I can, I can understand a lot of um, the perspective that comes from that. And it's not, it's not really radical like the way, you know, some people will see Black Lives Matter is. It, it just comes from the way the world is viewed from their eyes, from other people's eyes. And when you sit down and you, and you talk to people and you have fun with people, um, you know, you socialize, you, you play sports or whatever, um, it becomes very apparent how very similar and the same we all are. It's just that we've been placed in our own little boxes in society and we've been, you know, we've been categorized and, you know, and we've been victimized by, by that. And so if when we're able to actually leave that and actually, you know, be with other people, and understand their plight and they understand your plight, then things become, you know, very different. And I myself, I am mixed race. Um, and I have experienced um, uh, some, I guess you could say racism against myself when I, I moved across the country many places. And when I moved into the South, I experienced that myself. I am, I'm half Hispanic. Um, so I, I've experienced it on both, on multiple sides. I wouldn't say both because it seems like there's, there's more than just two um, as far as my own personal experience. But I started there because it, it taught me, it taught me to reach out to others. Um, but like later on in life um, and also like during my career, it became critical to be able to reach out to others because um and other people's concerns, like say like in the corporate world, for example, you definitely need to understand people's needs and their true desires and what they want, you know, from you as a uh, professional uh, business person or representing um, a company. So, I mean, those are some skills that, you know, they actually transfer. So you have your personal social skills, which you can also transfer in other parts of society. So, you know, just as that, as just that as an example can show you how like one person can like, you know, change many, many aspects of their own little world. And that's just one person. So it, you can change your, um, your personal life and your business life and it enhances those around you because they, they feel like you're actually listening to them and you're, um, you have empathy and you have understanding and they, they also, you know, reciprocate that. So, you know, I think you actually hit on something, and this is this is something you and I have never discussed. So, um, I did not know that you had moved around a lot, and um, I moved around uh, like a, a tremendous amounts. I never went to a school from kindergarten up, um, like no less than two schools in in the first early grades. Per year, but in the you know later elementary and and on up, like three and four schools a year, it was crazy. We moved constantly, and um, 
and I think that you might have hit on something there because one of the things that I had noticed about you when I kind of started becoming aware of you and your videos and stuff was that um, I didn't necessarily agree with a lot of the stuff that you were putting out there. Some of the stuff I did, some of it made me curious, made me go check it out and look more into it and stuff like that. But what it was that I liked about you is that you were different than a lot of the other YouTube stuff that I was seeing where they're pumping out conspiracy theories and they're, they're, they're painting them as truth and they're whipping up a bunch of people. I mean, you know, been in that world, done that, you know, ran from that finally and got smart. But... Even though some of the stuff that you were putting out there I thought could fall into that world, it was the means in which you were. You were not giving some overt opinion. You weren't trying to whip people up. You are most, for the most part, presenting things that this was something you were curious about. You've just come across this and, you know, like, hey, what do you think of this or whatever. I still have problems with stuff like that because, you know, we've talked about that much. But the fact that you two also moved around and stuff because your approach with people is very similar to mine. And I, maybe it's because we did move around a lot. Maybe it's because we're always used to being the new person. And so we just have a different um, means of interacting with people because we have to figure out what that common ground is. We need to figure it quickly because we don't know when we're going to move again. Exactly, you know what exactly. I mean? Right. I mean, when I you're, when you're I, thrown, I thrown really out of your, when you're thrown out of your uh, your uh, safety zone or whatever, you know, and you're you're placed in somewhere where you you need to adapt, you know, and that's the problem with a lot of people online or, or to this today, they don't adapt. They just they stick with, with what they know and what they've been told, and they just like they live in that box. They they don't they don't have to come out of that box. They can be a star from that box. They don't have to listen to other people. They don't have to adapt. Um, they don't have to care. You know, they, they, it's, it's society, um, full of narcissists. And it's not, it's not to say, it's not to insult them. It's just that when you're, you're placed in that kind of environment and you, and you don't, you refuse to leave or you don't have a need to leave that, um, box, you, you easily become that. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I, I, and that, again, plays right into the Internet, too. I think that the Internet breeds narcissism. Um, I, I don't think that there is a real big question on that. Um, I mean, I challenge a mental health professional to challenge me on that. Um, you know, but I, I think because, because, you know, for the first time with the Internet and social media particularly, and, you know, in the last decade or, well, more than a decade now, about 13 years with social media, we are able to, we all have a platform. Now, I was working in corporate media already um, prior to all of that kind of busting out. So this is just the world I know. I'm not saying that I may not have narcissistic qualities. I think everybody does to a certain extent. And I'm also not saying that doing what I do. I mean, I got out. One of the reasons I got out of corporate media is the being on the stage type thing all the time was not good for my mental health. Um, so... You know, all of that, you know, plays into it. So we have like this, it's a fear factory. And anybody can say whatever they want. And especially when you have so many different kinds of image and video editing tools. I mean, you could make anything. I have seen some of the best fake emails, you know. I mean, just like crazy stuff that I've seen that is it's like, how do you fight against that kind of crap, you know? And there, there is a certain portion of the population that's just so far gone at this point. At the same time, I think that that portion of the population, whether right or wrong, okay, whether right or wrong, because I think that all things kind of start with some sort of a grain of truth, 
But I think that that part of the population that's so far gone is the part of the population that is going to make uh, the very things that they fear most happen. Uh, they're perpetuating their own destiny. It's like when George Bush wanted to go to war with Iraq, and he, you know, and and you know, he's going to make the holy war happen, you know, because of, you know, him thinking that this is his destiny. Yeah, right? self-fulfilling okay, prophecy. So, it's a society of self-fulfilling exactly. prophecy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, when you have people saying, "Don't do this," but I'm going to do this, but you doing this is hurting me. Well, wait a minute. Um, you know, I mean, that's all very cult-like behavior, and and I do believe that, you know, as everybody knows, because I have my cult series, Rise of the Modern Cult, but. Um, you know, this, the Internet has, has played into so many things. And it's just like anything else in the world, because technology has exploded so rapidly, everything else hasn't caught up to what that really means. How is that changing us as human beings? When I'm trying to, you know, I, I, I don't want to harp on this too much, but I, I do, like I said, I think you hit on something about you spending your childhood moving around and me spending my childhood moving around, because you had talked about adapting and I, I want to challenge that a little bit because I think I know what you meant, but just to, to clarify for the listeners, adapting doesn't mean selling yourself out and your beliefs. Adapting doesn't mean even, you know, changing your beliefs, although you may, uh, but not because you have to. Adapting in the sense that we're talking about is about, like I keep saying, getting to know somebody for who they are, not just for what they believe. Because... If, if if I base my feelings on every human being because, you know, they like Trump or they like Hillary or, or you know, or they're Bundy supporters or they're Bundy haters or whatever the case may be, I cannot base how I feel about them because of a belief. Because we are in a day and age now that, again, the Internet has helped create, helped create, it's not just the Internet's fault. There's lots of factors in this. But this whole true believer thing is really to the extreme. It's, it's, it is an extreme thing. It is a real thing. And the problem that I think is a big disconnect for a lot of people trying to understand any issue uh, about the people is that they're, not everybody is a true believer. Some are just followers and hangers-on and all of that but the core people that are these absolute true believers. It's just crazy. But those are the ones that will not look at anything else. They will not click, let alone read a document. And the few that do read it will still say it isn't true. It's a government false flag. It's a setup. That person's a crisis actor. The the absolute disconnect in the psychology of dealing with people, and those people cannot have a conversation like you and I have had tonight at all unless they're having a conversation with somebody that is absolutely lockstep like-minded with them on that particular issue, and they're in the middle of some fuel fest. And it's it's crazy. So what do you think... Um, is going to happen now because you know you're kind of a techie guy. So, what do you kind of foresee as far as the more invasive and pervasive type of technology that that we're coming into? As far as not to go off on a tangent, but as far as in relation to the problems that we're already having, I mean, do you do you see tech making it worse? 
Oh, yeah. It's just going to further dehumanize everybody. Um, I mean, right now, we have people who still remember how it was prior to tech taking over, you know, and they, they still remember how the world was prior to 9-11. They still remember, you know, the world before social media blew up and all that. Um, so it kind of, you have that, you have a lot of people who still um, can influence those who don't remember any of that. Um, but once time, time goes by, you, you're just going to see, it's going to be where nothing anyone Nothing anyone ever knew. Um, it's all going to come from social media. It's all going to be what has been um, fed them already. Like you were talking about, like uh, Facebook feeds. Um, mm-hmm. They're they're going to be they're going to be um, served up what to believe, just like how television used to, you know, be the priority um, programming tool, and anyone everything. Most people knew who weren't readers or didn't like look up stuff themselves came from television. Well, it's going to be just like that with social media. It's just with social media, like you, like you were talking about. It's like you know, it's tunnel vision. You only see um, a certain aspect. So you're going to have people who are a lot more um, who are not informed. Um, people who are going to. Um, it's going to be a belief structure instead of a knowing knowledge. It's just going to be a complete belief structure. It's going to be more cult-like. Uh, people are going to seek out what they what they, I, I guess, primitively already believe, or what they've been able to to gather from social media, and they're going to seek out that confirmation bias. Right? They're going to search out um, someone who's already pushing that, and they're going to you know fit in, and they're going to feel like you know they're safe and they're part of some kind of community. And so when they're part of that community, it's kind of like a perpetual confirmation bias, right? Cause they're always being, it's like a feedback loop. They're always getting what they, what they need. And it, that, that's how the future is going to be. In my opinion, it's going to get worse and worse and more and more, more and more isolation. And as far as the real world, like. yeah. And as far as the real world, um, it's just going to, I mean, people think it's bad now. What's the lack of community, lack of people actually going out and like, um, you know, actually socializing with real people in groups. That's not even going to exist in the future, in my opinion. Eventually, it's not going to even exist at all. Yeah, our world is changing uh, dramatically and rapidly. Um, I'm going to start getting into the close of the show. So, Chaos, thank you so much um, for coming on again and definitely want to have you come on again another time soon. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. This conversation certainly isn't over, and I think that uh, I would love to bring you back on in a, in a couple weeks. I have I have some guests lined up for the next two weeks I can't talk about yet. I'm um, still in confirmation, but the listeners are going to love those guests. But after I get through those next two, I want to bring you back on. I want to continue this uh, this conversation. Um, and I want to have more of these with other people. So if you'd like to have just a, a nice conversation like this and talk about some real issues that touch each of us, each of us, okay? We're not, we're not elitists here. We want to talk about the things that affect us all. Then I invite you to uh, contact me. Just go to the website, challengingrhetoric.news. So, Chaos, I'm going to close out the show. Thanks again, and I will uh, be in touch with you very soon. All right. Thank you for having me on the show. It's great. Caring means a lot of things, uh, including what we put out there for the world and what the, and what we subject ourselves to from the world. So, how much do you really care? That's the big question. That's a big question that we should ask ask ourselves 
every single day. Words have power, and those who seek only to confirm their biases are the ones who stop seeking real truth. Those are the ones who isolate themselves by ideology, right or wrong, it doesn't matter. Those are the ones who become susceptible to those who have different agendas. And when you're susceptible, you're going to be taken advantage of. In doing that, you become the creators and the curators of the very propaganda that you say that you fight against. That lockstep behind that leader of whatever your cause is, you need to question why that leader has glommed onto that cause and who else is is the real face and, and, and touched from that cause out and beyond whoever that they are. It's, it, you know, propaganda, it goes both ways. It goes always. Everybody has propaganda a part of their life, whether they're consuming it or propagating it. And, and I would challenge every time you hit share without reading what you're sharing, you are participating in that, in that, that bad process of propaganda. It's up to each of you to take responsibility for the propaganda that you participate in, including me. Um, you know, I have a lot of people that call me out, and I don't become an asshole over it. I check it out, and I make the corrections. I do the things that I need to do to make sure that I am putting out the best thing that I can put out, whether it's an article, a podcast, um, you know, a post, or, you know, a, a love note. It doesn't matter, okay? If you missed part of tonight's show or any of the others, you can find the archives on Blog Talk Radio, also on Podbean, or on the website, again, challengingtherhetoric.news. Don't forget to check out Rise of the Modern Cult while you're there. Um, parts one and two. I still have not put up three and four. I apologize, but I will get those up soon. If you like what I'm doing, please share my work. Share the shows uh, that I produce. Share the articles I write. Share the pages I create. Uh, please check out OregonStandoffTrials.com. There's also BuffyRanchTrials.com, which is uh, not built yet, but you can still go and it's there. There's a placeholder. Um, OregonStandoffTrials.com is uh, is in the process of being built. There is a lot there. Most of the stuff I write on the Oregon Standoff will be now housed there. Uh, it will be kind of a clearinghouse, bigger and better and beyond a wiki. I do invite opposing views as far as things that I will be adding there because I want it for a historical picture of what these situations, the particular situations with the Bundys and the trials and other standoffs to come. There is a YouTube and a Twitter attached to that as well as uh, social media pages and groups on Facebook. So check out all the links are on OregonStandoffTrials.com, so please do check that out. Um, Also, if you haven't been to the Podbean, the Podbean, um, where the shows are, are also at, they're, they're like syndicated into Podbean. They have different apps, free apps for your phone, and some people find it much easier to listen to or share from Podbean. And I've only been using Podbean for about a month or so now, so for those that don't know it, definitely check it out. I'm going to be back live next week, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Until then, be kind to one another. Whether you like each other or not, be open to people and ideas and then you want to challenge your own rhetoric to step away from those edges of extreme. I did. You can do it too. Made me a much healthier and happier person. That's it for me tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Love you.